Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Chapman. And uh, if you're joining us online, thanks for uh, tuning in and being with us here at the River Community Church. My name is Steve Chapman. If you forgot or this is your first time with us, glad you're here today. Uh, I see some of you are back from vacation. Hope you had a great time. I'm glad you're here. And um, I'm excited this morning because uh, I want to kick off uh, the the message this morning with actually uh, letting you hear from someone else. Um, if you've noticed the blue shirts here in the, in the front couple of rows, we have invited some guests from Next Steps Ministry to be with us today. And uh, a couple of them are going to come and share their story. We wanted you to hear about this ministry, what God is doing right here in our community, how he's changing lives, how he's uh, bringing refreshment uh, into people's lives. And uh, so I'm going to invite uh, Jennifer <laughs> again, Jennifer Willis, come on up here. Uh, Jennifer is one of the leaders at Next Step. And oh, I've got the microphone. Here it is. Yes. Ah. Again, I had one job and I blew it in the first service and I've done it again. I hope this is the right one and I hope it works. Okay, so there, there you go. So this is Jennifer Willis. She's one of the leaders at Next Step. Jennifer is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for a long, long time. Uh, she was actually a teenager uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, many, many years ago and uh, had the opportunity to get to know her and just see her grow and see how God has changed her life. And so she's gonna share a little bit about this program and we're gonna hear from one of the, the students as well. And so I'm gonna turn it over to you guys at this time, okay? All right, Jennifer. Thank you guys for having us today, and I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Steve and Lorianne because they were my youth pastors. They planted a seed in me. Um, I was in addiction, bound up for over a decade, and the Lord pulled me out of the pit. I went to a program similar to what we have. To just explain a little bit about what we do, we are called Next Step for Life, and we're a 12-month discipleship ministry. We have a women's home, and we have a men's home. Um, we provide an atmosphere, a program with structure for people who are in addiction, bound up in addiction, other life controlling issues. We give them a place where they can come and live. We give them a family atmosphere. We separate our program into two parts. We have a work study and we have classroom. The work study, they work hard. The men have a lawn care service and the women have a house cleaning service. They also work inside the homes. And the other part is the classroom where we provide them with discipleship. They are really digging deep into the word. They're learning about Jesus and who he is so that they can fall in love with him. They're learning how to control anger. They're learning how to have personal relationships with others. They're learning boundaries. Uh, we even go into teaching um, financial peace and parenting. Um, these are really good things in a program that they need. We have a really well balance with that. The only thing that's going to help anyone who's bound up in addiction is Jesus. That's it. You can go anywhere and get sober because I went to jail all the time and I got sober, but I went right back to that lifestyle. I remembered the seed that was planted in me. 
um, as a teenager. And when I was in my lowest point of despair and darkness, had lost everything, I knew the only thing that could save me was Jesus. I felt so far away, but I was provided with that structure and with that love, and my heart was changed and my mind was changed. And that's what we're doing at Next Step. I want to call up Sam. Sam's an intern in our program. He has completed our program, and he's decided to stay with us uh, for an internship. We're so proud of Sam. God has completely changed him from the inside out. I want him to tell you his story. Hey, my name's Sam. I'm from Woodstock, Georgia. I'm 26 years old by the grace of God, and start... Um, Growing up, I had a pretty normal childhood. Uh, I had everything I needed, plus everything I really wanted. In high school, I played a lot of sports, and with sports came the parties on weekends, so I started to fall in love with partying on the weekend, got in the way of my class, started smoking weed before class because I, I was just more focused on the partying. And that took, a, that took hold of my life and started making me spiral downwards, and I... I just started doing really bad, hanging out with the wrong people. And after high school, I didn't really have any aim. I wasn't getting into college. And I, I started using heroin and hung out with the wrong crowd, going out to bars like every night, doing things I shouldn't. Lost the respect to my family and started doing things to hurt them just so I could get more of what I wanted. And it was just really bad. And there was, I, I overdosed twice in the same month. And that it did the first time I overdosed, I was in the hospital for seven days. And I, as soon as I got out, I went right back to what I was doing. The devil had a really strong hold on me. And about two weeks later, I overdosed again. I was down in Atlanta in about 100 degree weather in my car. Car was off, no AC. I was in my car for like 12 hours before anyone found me. And uh, by the grace of God, someone found me. And they... I was in the hospital. I was in a coma for seven days in the hospital for a total of two weeks. When I woke up, I saw my mom crying tears of joy. She started a Facebook page for like prayer and had every, a lot of people praying for me. And I feel like if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here today. So I, as soon as I got out of my coma, I looked at my mom. I said, it's time for me to change. I can't do this to y'all anymore. This is killing me. And so my sister knows Miss Diane's daughter, she's the owner of Next Step. So she reached out to her and told her what I needed, and I talked to her. And Miss Shirley got me into Next Step. And everything that's happened to me since I have came to Next Step has been great things. My family's been restored. Uh, they let me back in their house. <laughs> and uh, and I, I know how to deal with my finances. I was so bad with that before. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. I need that, and I know how to set boundaries and respect people's boundaries, so everything's looking up, and now I'm interning here. I want to stay another year so I can help the students that come in and show them what good comes from this program. It's all good things, and Next Step is an awesome place. If you know anyone that has trouble with these things, please send them through. We'll take great care of them. It's, it's a good place. Thanks for letting me share. That's what it's all about. We are making disciples so that they can make disciples. 
We're really just following the Great Commission. Whenever you surrender to the Lord and put Him first, He takes care of everything else. Addiction is just what you can see. The problem is the root. The problem is separation from God and sin. The problem is doing things our way instead of God's way. So that's all we're doing at Next Step is we're just teaching God's way. Um, and we're making world changers. That's what we're doing. We're so happy to be part of that and to be used by the Lord to change lives. Thank you guys for letting us share. We really loved it here and love being here today. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, um, thank you, Jennifer, and, and thank you guys for being here. Hey, would you pray with me right now? God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you uh, how good it is to hear stories of changed lives. Um, God, to hear, uh, Lord, how you invade the darkness, the brokenness, Lord, of our deception, and you speak truth, and you bring light, and you bring hope, and, and transformation, and refreshment. Uh, God, thank you so much for that. Bless this ministry, God. Bless, just continue blessing what you're doing here. Uh, Lord, it's very possible someone watching online, someone sitting in this room today, God, needed. This may be the word they needed to hear. Nothing from me, but what was shared right now, God. Um, there, the decision needs to be made. There's hope that needs to be received. And so I just pray that you do that and you give, if someone needs the courage to make a step, to come talk to these guys after service, to, to, to contact, whatever it is, God, uh, I just pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to do that. Thank you, God. Uh, for what you're doing. Thank you for loving us so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, are you enjoying summertime? <laughs> well, apparently not. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Maybe uh, hope it gets better. Uh, I guess that was pretty good. The bar's pretty low. I have nowhere to go but up from there. Um, well, hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I like, summertime is really not my favorite uh, season. Fall is my favorite. Summer's just too hot for me. I'll be honest with you. I love air conditioning. I love climate-controlled uh, facilities, and that's ruined me over the years. You know, I mean, it really has, and so I, I don't really like summer. I, I just, I, I'm hot, and I sweat all the time. I mean, it, you know, and so I just, I don't like that, and, and so yesterday I was mowing. I was cutting the grass, and I'm out there in the lawnmower, and, and it's a riding lawnmower for that. I'm not even really, you know, exerting a lot of energy, but I'm just, I'm hot, and I'm sweating. I'm thirsty, and I'm just, but, but everybody, you know, when you're in that moment when you're hot, when you're thirsty, when you're, there's, you usually have like your go-to uh, refreshment, right? It may, may be a, a cold beverage, maybe it's step inside into the AC, maybe it's put a big, nice, cold, wet towel uh, around your neck, stick your head uh, in a bucket of water. I, mean, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe there's, there's always something that you go to, like, oh, this just refreshes me when I'm, when I'm hot and I'm, I'm thirsty and whatever. Um, there's a lot of things out there to, to that promise that, right? I was in Walmart uh, this past week and I, I forgot this even existed. And I came across this and we'll put it up on the screens. You probably can't even see this. Uh, this is Lipton's Instant Iced Tea, all right? Now, you know, I, so I, I got online. I was like, you know, let's find out a little more about this. So here's, here's what it says about Lipton Iced Tea, if you'll throw that next one. Uh, you simply scoop stir and enjoy. So it's instant tea. So there's a little scoop in here. You just pull that out, get you a glass of water, dump that in there and stir and enjoy. And this is the promise. This is the promise. It is cool, smooth, and refreshing. Okay? That's a big fat lie. All right? <laughs> that is a lie. 
Instant tea is disgusting, okay? Listen, let me save you $7.45. Stop by my house. I'll scoop up some dirt, pour it, put it in your cup, stir it. You've got brown water. That's basically all this offers you, okay? Now, I know, listen, I know uh, that we have a lot of folks uh, move into Tennessee. Maybe you weren't from the South, but, but this is not iced tea, okay? So, so you might want to take some notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what iced. This is how you don't just scoop some of this stuff in a cup and stir. It's a little bit more involved than that. First of all, you're going to need one of these, Okay, and a, and a stove top, all right? So what you do with this thing, you, you fill it with some water, a couple of cups of water, put some water in there, okay? And then you don't need that. You need a box, okay? And you know what's in this box? Who knows what's in this box? Yes, tea bags, wonderful. So you, you, put some, you take some tea, you put some water in that kettle, and then you put some tea bags in it. It doesn't matter. Just grab a handful. There's no science here. You just, so put them in there, okay? And, and, and you turn that heat up, and you let that boil, okay? And then you turn it back, and just let it sit there for a while. Just let that water just soak in all that, that, that tea bag. Just, the longer, the better, the stronger, whatever your flavor. And then go to your cabinet, or your grandma's cabinet, and get one of these from the 1970s, or call your Tupperware agent, and, uh, and you, put some, you put some water in here, okay? You with me so far? You got that? Put some water in here, then you take that, that hot tea, pour it in there, get you a, a stick, a wooden spoon, start stirring it up, and then the last and most important thing is you're gonna need some sugar, okay? You're gonna need some sugar. I know what you think. Well, how much sugar? The whole bag. Trust me, the hot boiling water tea will, will, will it'll eat up all the sugar, it'll dissolve it, it'll melt it. Get another bag if you really want it sweet, but pour that in there, and then you have iced tea, delicious, refreshing iced tea. That thing in that bottle, it's decaffeinated and unsweetened. What is the purpose of that? <laughs> There's no sugar in it. There's no caffeine. I mean, so that's how you make genuine Southern iced tea. Some people call it Southern sludge, all right? There's a lot of sugar, which is probably why I had a root canal in the sixth grade. I don't know, but we drank a lot of that growing up. My grandmother made killer sweet tea. It was good stuff. So there you have it. That was sort of my beverage of choice. I love a good refreshing cold. And here's, here's a tip. Once you've made that pitcher of ice, set it in the refrigerator overnight. Let it chill for 24 hours, and oh my goodness, you'll never want anything else. I mean, it's fantastic. I don't know what your beverage of choice is, what your choice for something refreshing is when you're hot and thirsty, but that was one of mine. So thinking about things that refresh us. This morning, last week we talked about three kings. This morning, I want to talk, we're going to look at the words of a prophet and, uh, and specifically, we want to look at what he tells us about the God who refreshes us, okay? So if you have a Bible this morning, you want to go to Isaiah chapter 43. If you've been reading through the Bible this year with us, uh, this past week we read a lot from Isaiah, a lot of the prophecies of Isaiah. It's a big old book in the Old Testament. Isaiah was prophesying. A lot of these kings we've been reading about, you know, he was prophesying during the reign. You had the good kings, the bad kings. Some did good. They led Israel to follow God. Some did bad and things like that. So Isaiah is prophesying. Now, 
Isaiah chapter 43, just let me give you a little context here fast. Isaiah 43, he is speaking here of the future. He is speaking of a time when Israel will be taken into Babylonian captivity. It hadn't happened yet, but he is speaking of something that's gonna happen. They are going to, Nebuchadnezzar is gonna come into power. He's gonna swoop in. He's gonna come in. God's gonna say, okay, enough of this, up and down, up and down. And he's gonna allow his people to be taken into captivity by uh, the Babylonian empire under Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's not gonna be good. Freedom's gonna be taken away. They're gonna be enslaved just like their ancestors of old were in Egypt. But Isaiah speaks to that season and he says, but, 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 that's gonna happen, but God is not gonna forsake you. God's not gonna forget you. God is going to do something. And that's what I want you to see. We're just gonna read a couple of verses here from Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 16. Look at what Isaiah says or what God says through Isaiah. Isaiah 43, verse 16, he says this. He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Verse 17, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Now, let me just say, what he's doing there is I, God is reminding through prophet Isaiah, he's reminding his people really of how he delivered their forefathers, their ancestors when they were enslaved in Egypt many, many years ago. He's talking about, you know, I parted the seas there. They came to the Red Sea under Moses and the, the Egyptian army was pressing against them and they thought, we're trapped, we're doomed, what are we gonna do? And he said, raise up your staff, Moses, and he did. And God caused the Red Sea, this massive body of water to part. And the Bible says they crossed, the entire nation of Israel crossed on dry land and then the waters collapsed as the Egyptian army chased them and they were destroyed. So God's reminding him, he said, so when you're in, when you're in captivity, you're gonna be in captivity, but just remember who your God is. Your God is the God that caused the massive Red Sea to actually split apart and your forefathers, your, your, your ancestors walked across on dry land. That's, that, that, that's, that's something you would need to be reminded. It's like, hey, don't fret, don't worry. This, remember who your God is. But then we'll look what he says in verse 18. But forget all that. Now that's, that's huge because they remembered that story every single year. That was one of the celebrations. Remember what God did. And so Isaiah is speaking here and he's saying, remember, and they're like, oh yes, yes, we remember. We know, that's right, that's right. Thank, thank you for reminding us. But then Isaiah says, forget all that. Why? Why would we forget something so wonderful in our history? He says this, because it is nothing <laughs> compared to what I'm going to do. Wow. Okay, what are you going to do? He says, I'm about, verse 19, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Now look what he's gonna do. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Now, a little context here. So we put our map up. They've been, Israel's been taken from Jerusalem, taken from their land, and they're now taken into the, into the Babylonian captivity, across the Arabian desert there, hundreds of miles away from their land. And God is saying, you know, he's basically saying, look, you've been taken into captivity, you're, you're there, you're in a foreign land, but he says, but listen, I'm the God that brought your ancestors across the Red Sea. I parted the, I made dry land in the middle of this massive body of water. 
He says, but forget all that. I'm gonna do something new. He says, this time, some of the things God just does this because it's fun. He says, this time, there's a massive body of sand and desert wasteland between you and where I'm gonna take you. But what I'm gonna do, don't fret, he says, because I'm gonna put a river in the middle of the wasteland. It's like, it's like God is saying, look, it doesn't matter if it's a massive body of water or a massive body of dry land. I can get you to where I need you to go. I can provide for you. I can take care of you. I can sustain you no matter what obstacle you're facing. That's pretty good news. And the reason God tells them this, he says, because this is my heart for my people. At the end of verse 21 there, he says, so that my chosen people will be refreshed. He's a God who loves to refresh his people. He's a God who loves to step into our brokenness, our, our, the wasteland of our lives, our darkness, our whatever it is, and refresh us. Because he can, because he's all powerful God. So Isaiah is prophesying here and saying, listen, you're gonna go into captivity, but don't worry. The same God who delivered our forefathers from e Egypt parted the Red Sea. The same God, is he's gonna do something new. He's gonna bring us back and he's gonna restore and refresh his people. And all those prophecies came true. They were, Nebuchadnezzar came in at the end of 2 Chronicles. He comes in and he takes the nation captive. And then God keeps his promise. After many years, he brings them back from captivity in Ezra chapter one. Ezra chapter one, verses two through four. Listen to what it says. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. Now, here's what's happened. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire, has fallen, and now Persia, the Persian Empire, has risen. And now Persia, this king, this King Cyrus, he's the king of Persia. They're now the powerful nation in the world. And, but he is a king who, who believes in God. He follows God. He's not, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, he's friendly to the people of God. Listen to what he says. He says, this is what the King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may God be with you. So he is saying, now you're, gonna, you're free to go back. I'm not gonna enslave you here. You're free to go back to your homeland. And may God be with you. Now, what did God promise through Isaiah? He said, I'll get you back. I'll give you what you need. Now, he said, I'm gonna provide streams in the desert. But many times in the prophecies, that, that sort of uh, figurative speaking, look what God actually does. In verse four, he says, wherever this Jewish remnant is found, so wherever these people of God are, he said their neighbors, he says, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Basically, he did the exact same thing he did for their forefathers when they came out of Egypt. It says they plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians gave them gold, silver, anything they needed. So here God again is providing for his people. He says that everybody that knows them, sees them, give to them. Give them gold, silver, livestock, supplies. Oh, and give them money for the things they're gonna need to build a temple when they get back. God refreshing his people, keeping his word, doing what he promised to do because he loves to refresh his people. 
And so they went back there, they rebuilt the temple, and that's the story basically of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Now, here's the thing, I want you to go back to Isaiah. This is a prophecy, okay? And Isaiah is speaking about the the immediate future of the nation of Israel, how God is gonna deliver them from the Babylonian captivity, okay? But so many of the prophecies in Isaiah speak to something even further down the line. They speak and they, they foreshadow and they point to the Messiah. They point to the coming king. They point to this Christ. Look in chapter 44 of Isaiah. Look what he says. In verse three of chapter 44, he says, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. There's that imagery again of God being this God that refreshes. He says, I'm gonna pour out water on your fields. But then look what he says, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. Here again, Isaiah is speaking not just to this immediate future of bringing them back from Babylonian captivity, but he's speaking to something further down the line. He's speaking to not not just providing water in the wastelands physically, but he's speaking, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on your descendants. And this is futuristic, this is down the line. I'm gonna pour out my spirit. And these scriptures point to Jesus. So here's the point. It's like, hey, here's another great Old Testament story. Another great example of God's faithfulness to his people, right? And that's good for us to understand that history. But what does it have to do with us right here in 2022? Everything. Because the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, all the Old Testament, it points us to the most important character, most important part, most important thing, most important person in the scriptures, and that is Jesus Christ. It points us to him. It's not about any great man. We, we, we can talk about the, the characters, the men and the women, and the names that some of us know, but it's not about them. They are simply extras in this grand story of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament, this passage in Isaiah, this points us to Jesus. How do we know that? Well, Jesus tells us that. Let's jump to the New Testament to the Gospel of John. We're gonna look at several verses here in the Gospel of John because I want, to see, I want you to see this, this connection, this idea that our God is a God who, ref, who refreshes us. In John chapter five, verse 39, look what Jesus says. He's talking to the, to the religious leaders, the Hebrew people here, the Jews. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. And look at this. But the scriptures point to me. Now, understand something. When, when, when Jesus says scriptures there, he's talking about the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. There was no gospels. There were no letters from Paul and Peter and John. It was simply the Old Testament. And he says, you search these Old Testament scriptures. You search these scriptures. He said, and what you need to understand is all these scriptures point to speak of me. They point to me. So when Isaiah is prophesying, watch this, when Isaiah is prophesying and he's saying, he's saying God is going to refresh his people. He's going to bring this streams of water, refreshing water in the midst of wasteland, in the midst of desert. He is, he is pointing to not just, hey, I can literally do this. This is a part of the Red Sea. There's nothing beyond the realm of God. He says, but ultimately, what I'm pointing to 
is the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate refreshment, which is my son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, all these scriptures point to me. So let's, let's run with that. So he's talking here, he's giving us this imagery of water, water in the desert, water in, water in the dryness, water in the wasteland. And Jesus says, this speaks of me. Well, let's go to John chapter four and see this, what this looks like. What's he talking about? John chapter four, Jesus is traveling with his disciples and the Bible says they stop in Samaria. And Jesus, they come to this well and it was Jacob's well from the Old Testament, a well that Jacob had, had dug for his people. And Jesus sends the disciples on into the town and he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait right here, I'm kind of thirsty. And he sits down at this well. And this Samaritan woman happens to come to this well. Remember, all the Old Testament points to Jesus, this God, this God, this promise to replenish and refresh his people with water. Jesus comes to this well, this woman is there, and Jesus asks her to give him a drink, which was very uncustomary. I mean, one, he was a Jew, she was a Samaritan, and Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Two, he was a man, she was a woman, and they just, they, that just really wasn't part of their culture for men to talk to women and certainly to ask her to give him a drink. So he asked her to give him a drink, and she seemed surprised about all this, and she's like, why are you asking me for a drink? You shouldn't really be doing this. And then Jesus says this, and I want you to read here in verse 10. Jesus replies to the woman, he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you, that's pretty, that's pretty important. You know, you know, it's very possible that God, is, God might just be asking some of us in this room this morning, if you only knew right now in your life where you're at, whatever your life, if you only knew the gift God has for you, here's what would happen. And if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Now, I'm sure she's probably never heard any type of language like that in her life. So she's intrigued. But she says, sir, <laughs> she says, you don't even have a, a, a bucket, a rope, this well is deep. Look what she says there in verse 11. She says, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, which clearly she doesn't. He said, do you really think you're better? I mean, Jacob was a big deal in the, in the, in the nation of Israel. I mean, he's one of, the, one of the forefathers, one of the ancestors, one of the patriarchs. She says, are you really better than Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? She doesn't know who she's talking to and she really doesn't know what he's talking about. Look what Jesus says in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Whew, what, a, what an offer. Notice her response. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Here's why. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She's, still, she's not getting it. She's thinking he's offering her magic water, right? That, that she takes a drink of this and I'll, I won't ever get thirsty again. Which to, in her mind, I mean, I'll never have to come to this well. 
which most likely was something she didn't really look forward to on, her, on a daily basis, didn't enjoy, because there was oftentimes probably humiliation and shame, and we'll see why in just a second. So she's still not, she still doesn't know who she's talking to. She still doesn't understand what he's talking She's talking about physical water. He is not talking about water. He's like, he's, whoever drinks this water will get thirsty. Whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. She's like, well, I want that magic water. And then Jesus says something bizarre. If, if, you, if you'd never read this story, had no kind, you're just reading along. He's like, okay, here's this woman. And she's like, oh, she just doesn't get it. He's like, and so then he says, well, go call your husband. That seems like, what? We're having a conversation here about some magic water and you've got, and, and, and like, yeah, go call your husband. I like what she says. She says, I don't have a husband. <laughs> Again, she's like, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk about my husband. I want to talk about this magic water. It's like, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You're right, Jesus says. You don't have a husband. Verse 18, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Well, she was kind of lying because she just wanted to talk about, living, about that's magic water. But Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. Matter of fact, you've had five and they've all failed and you're not even married to the guy you're living with right now. Hence, you see, it's why this woman probably had a pretty low reputation in the community, which is why she was probably coming at the well at that particular time of day because there normally wouldn't be too many people there and she would kind of avoid people as much as possible because she was a woman of not such a great reputation. So you can see why she would want water that would keep her from ever thirsting again, never having to come and get water. I wouldn't have to go to that. Well, I could avoid all that shame, ridicule, reproach, whatever. So Jesus says, well, go call your husband. What Jesus is doing here, because she doesn't understand what he's talking about, he puts his finger, watch this, this is so key. He puts his finger and singles out the deception in her life. Her life is built upon lies. Whatever these broken relationships, she's had five, she's in her six right now. Whatever's going on there, it's not going well, it's not working out, there's something terribly wrong. Whatever is happening, this woman, and not only, not only the, the, the lies she's believing about relationships, but now the lies she's believing about herself as a Samaritan, well, Jews hate us, and so that must mean that we're not, we're not worthy, we're not lovable, we're not likable, we're not anything. She's believing all of these lies. Jesus puts his finger on the very thing in her life that is deceiving her, the very area in her life where she is broken. She's broken because she's terribly, terribly deceived. She doesn't know who she's talking to and she doesn't know the gift God has for her. He said, if you did, you would be asking me for that. You wouldn't be running after relationships that are not ultimately satisfying you and refreshing you, but they're actually leaving you broken if you knew who I was, if you knew what God wants for you, the God who loves to refresh, you'd be asking me for what I can give you. And I'm not talking about water in a well. He says, I'm talking about living water. So let's keep, let's keep going here because what is that? What is he offering her? Living water? It's not physical. What is it? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what it is. Look in John chapter seven. 
In John chapter 7, Jesus basically tells the same thing to, to the crowd of Jewish folks who had gathered for one of the festivals that they would celebrate there in Jerusalem. And he stands up on the last day of the festival and he announces that, hey, anyone who, who believes in me can come and drink. And, and, and he says, for, for the scriptures declare, living water will flow from his heart. Verse 39 says this. John, John comments and says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Okay, we're making the connection here. Jesus is saying, I've got something that you need. It's not physical, it's not tangible. It's living water. What is this living water? The woman thought it was magic water. He's, no, 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 it's not that. What is this living water? Well, now we know this living water is the spirit, the spirit of God. Because the Bible tells, okay, it's though it's the Spirit of God. But it says here, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered his glory. In other words, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, died on the cross, been buried, been resurrected, and ascended back to the Father. So we need to continue to pursue this. So go to John chapter 14. Jesus is offering this, this living water, which is supposed to refresh us fully and completely. And this living water is the Spirit, but let's pursue more. It hadn't yet been given. In John 14, verse 16, now in John 14, Jesus has told disciples he's about to go away. He's going to leave them. He's going to the cross, going to die, going to send back to him. He's going to leave them. This broke their heart, shattered their plans, their future, and their concern. And then he says this to them in John 14, 16. He says, listen, don't worry about this guy. He says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another teacher, another helper, another leader who will never leave you. Now, now watch this. Keep going. He is the Holy Spirit, that's the living water, okay? Living water, it's the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That's important, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him, you know this Holy Spirit, you know this Spirit who leads into all truth, you know this living water, watch this, because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is saying, you gotta understand something. It's all about to change. I'm going away. And in another chapter, he tells them, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the spirit can't come. If I don't go away, you can't really take the living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit that leads us into all truth. He says, so I'm gonna go. He says, and, he, and he's gonna come, and you know who he is, because he's been living with you. Who's been living with them? Jesus Christ the son in the flesh. He says, but, but when he comes, the spirit will not be with you. He will be in you. And then, uh, then he goes on to say, because here's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all three in one. He says, he says I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's the Spirit of God, the, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. It's three in one. He says, I will not leave you. He says, so I'm offering you this living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which will be in you, which we receive when we accept Christ as Savior. Lord. The Spirit's gonna be in you, and so now, so we're making the connection. So God wants to refresh us with living water. That living water is the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit leads us into truth. Stay with me. Remember, remember the woman at the well? The, the ruin, the wreck of her life? 
largely because of the deceptions, whatever lies she was listening to and believing were ruining her life. Jesus says, I want to give you living water. This living water is the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit, his job is to guide us into truth. And why is it important that we, are, that we know what truth is? Why is it important that he's the Spirit who leads us into truth? Because, as Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, he says this. He says, and you will know the truth, if you have the spirit of truth, if you have that living water, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. Well, now, we like freedom. We love freedom here in America. We celebrate it every 4th of July. We shoot off fireworks. We have barbecues. We love our freedom. But God here is saying, listen, when you walk in truth, you are free not, not from Great Britain, not from some earthly kingdom that might enslave you. God, the ultimate freedom is not the freedom from Egyptian bondage or Babylonian bondage, but he said, I'm gonna set you free, okay? So, so let's connect. He refreshes us with living water. That living water is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit that leads us into truth. Truth matters because truth sets us free. Free from what? John 8, 44, Jesus says, you are, of, you are children of your father, the devil. You love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. Look at this. He has always hated what? The truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the, the living water is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth. Truth is important because truth sets us free. It sets us free from the one who hates truth. It sets us free from the lies of our enemy, the devil, who, John 10, 10, Jesus says, why we need to be free from his lies, because when he lies to us as a murderer, his purpose is, in John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's important that I know what truth is, so the truth sets me free from the lies of the one who hates truth and wants to simply steal, kill, and destroy my life. Hence the woman at the well who's sitting there believing all these lies about herself. That's exactly where the enemy wants her, not drinking living water, not having the spirit, not knowing the gift that God has for her, not knowing what truth is, but living her life based upon lies because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I want you to drink living water. I want you to have the spirit which will lead you into truth that'll set you free from the lies because I want you to have, what does he say? A fully satisfying life. For me, it's the choice between instant tea and, and brewed sweet tea. One causes me to vomit and one refreshes me. My apologies to instant tea lovers across America. You get this? See the importance? See, the, see what Isaiah is saying all the way back there? Probably this was hundreds of years before Jesus would ever be born. Isaiah, God was speaking through Isaiah saying, my purpose is to refresh my people and I'm gonna do this 
through living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, which the truth sets you free and sets you free from the lies of the devil, who is your arch enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life and keep you from having what I want you to have, the gift of God, which that gift of God is that fully satisfying life, regardless of whether you're in Babylonian captivity or you're living in your homeland under a good king. The circumstances don't matter when you've drunk the living water and you're walking in truth and you know the truth because the truth sets you free. My body physically may be in prison, but my soul, my spirit is free because I'm drinking deeply from the fountain of living water. But sadly, but sadly, here's what so often happens. There's this offer of the gift of living water. There's this offer of freedom to know the truth. But sadly, what often happens is what God describes in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter two. Look at what the scripture says here. God is looking at his people, his people who his desire is to refresh them, to refresh them, to be a a stream of living water to their souls in the midst of wastelands. But unfortunately, it often looks like this. In in Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13, God looks at his people and he says, my people have done two evil things. Number one, they've abandoned me, the fountain of what? Living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Cisterns are like wells holding tanks where like you would store water. And the imagery here God is saying is like, I'm offering you living water. I'm offering you refreshing, life-satisfying, life-giving water. And yet instead of receiving that, you're busy building these, digging these wells, building these cisterns that are broken and will never hold water. You know, I remember that commercial in the, in the 80s. Yeah, and... This is not a, not a, I should probably even use this. It's not a statement about anything. Really, it was a beer commercial. And the guy is, he's crawling through the desert and he's, he's, thir- he's dying of thirst. And he comes upon this little camp and, and he looks at the guy and he's like, he says, excuse me, sir, would you happen to have a cold Bud Light? I don't know what it was. And the guy says, uh, well, no, but I got some nice cold water. He says, no, that's okay, that's okay. I'm, I was really hoping for a Bud Light. And he just keeps going. Now, I'm not making a comment on your Bud Lights or anything like that, or refreshing beer. I'm not making, but I'm saying this. I'm saying that's the point. That's the foolishness of your dying of thirst and living water is offered. And yet you're over here digging a well that can never hold water. Hence, it can never satisfy you. So why in the world would you be doing something so dumb? Because you don't know the truth. What's the, what's, the enemy, what's the enemy of truth? It's lies. The father of all lies is the devil. He's got you convinced that digging that well is exactly what you need. Anything to keep your mind off what you really need, which is living water. The spirit of almighty God, which is the spirit that leads you into truth. And that truth would help you to see, son, daughter, stop digging that well. Samaritan woman, stop trying to find your value, your purpose in in a relationship and and attaching yourself probably to men of ill repute. Woman, stop seeing yourself as maybe those your accusers see you. If you knew who I am and the gift God has for you, 
you would ask me for this living water and this living water would give you truth and lead you into truth and that truth would help you to see the deception that you're living under and you would cause you to stop built digging these broken cisterns that cannot, will not ever satisfy you. And God says, that's evil. My people have to forsake God, the fountain of living water and to build these broken cisterns. Are you, what are you building? What are you digging right now? Or are you drinking regularly, freely from the fountain of living water, which is your relationship with God through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit given to you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? That is what we are designed to drink deeply from. What broken wells are you digging? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, it's, it's your career. It's your job. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's, I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's some kind of entertainment. Maybe it's some kind of addiction. I don't know what it may be, but the idea, the enemy just wants to continue to deceive you. Whatever it is you're running hard at, whatever it is you have, you have replaced the fountain of living water with, you're doing it because the enemy of darkness, the enemy who is a liar and a murderer has deceived you and caused you to believe this is what you need. And that's what he's done from the beginning when he stepped into paradise with Adam and Eve. And he said, you know what? Did God really say this? What you really need is not this free-flowing, all-satisfying relationship with your creator, but what you really need is to eat a piece of that fruit that he told you not to. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. Some of us in this room this morning, because we're digging these broken wells that can never satisfy, we're trying to build our life, we're trying to find our hope, our purpose, our meaning, our satisfaction in something other than drinking from the living water. Some of us need to be reminded and to probably do what the psalmist implores us to do in Psalms 34, 8, when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And what does he say there? He says about that, he says, oh, the joys. Oh, the refreshment. Oh, the life that is found in those who take refuge in him or those who trust in him, who choose to trust his truth versus the lies of the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, to wrap this up, here's the beauty in this. God gift to us is his spirit, is this living water, which is the spirit, which is the spirit of truth, which guides us into truth, helps us to recognize the lies of the enemy, which causes us to live this all-satisfying life regardless of our circumstances. And the beauty of this is this, in John chapter 7, when Jesus spoke of this living water, he said this in verse 38, he says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. It's open for anyone. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Here's the beauty in this. As I begin to drink deeply from the life-giving waters, the Holy Spirit, as I begin to live my life, build my life on my relationship with Christ, begin to understand what it is to taste and see that the Lord is good, what it is to step into this relationship, not some empty religion, this relationship with this God, this Spirit who is living water, who is all-satisfying, who refreshes, replenishes my soul. When I begin to live in that, when I begin to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord and begin to understand what it is to live in Him, to let the Spirit lead and guide and direct my life, what I begin to understand what it is to know him and to know the truth that sets me free. When I begin to walk in that, the Bible says not only does that living water satisfy me, but that living water literally becomes a well springing up in my life. And you, and, and you know what that does? Let's, let's, let's end with this imagery. Back in the Old Testament, 
The prophet Ezekiel had a vision God gave him of the temple. And it begins this vision of the temple. He takes Ezekiel to the temple and it says there, at the, there was the temple and from under the door of the temple flowed this river, this water, this imagery is all through the scripture, flows this river from the temple, which again, we learned last week, that's the presence of God. So that's that same spirit we're talking about. He says this water flows in this vision. And in verse nine, it says this, there will be swarms of, of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows because that is the gift God has for you is life, eternal life, the security of salvation, but it is a satisfying life here and now regardless of your circumstances. And when I partake of that and I begin living and walking in that life, that life satisfies me and then it flows from me. And my life begins to become a life-giving source to those around me, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my students, my teachers, my colleagues. It begins to flow from me. And where that river flows, where that living water is poured out, everything lives. It gives life. Which sadly is not what the church looks like a whole lot in our culture today, is it? Because a lot of times we're not giving this living water, but we're giving our opinions or we're giving our perspective or we're, we're ridiculing or we're jumping on something or we're more excited about our, 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 our freedom that we celebrate on the 4th of July than perhaps our freedom that we celebrate on the day that we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so we begin giving that out. And rather than life popping up around us because we can't contain the living water Oftentimes, we're poisoning those around us. That's probably because rather than walking, drinking deeply from the living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, which guides us into truth, we've probably been drinking from these old broken cisterns that are full of poisoned water that's poisoning us, and we're just poisoning those around us. And God says, that's evil. That's evil. To forsake him the fountain of living water, to put anything more important in your life than your relationship with him. He says, that's just evil. He calls it evil because he knows that your enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and his heart is to, ref is to refresh us. To so what you've been drinking lately. Christian, follower of Jesus Christ. What are you drinking? You, you building these broken cisterns and trying to drink something there that's never going to satisfy you? Truth of the matter is, as refreshing and much as I love a good old sh heavy dose of sugared sweet tea, it just really makes me thirsty. It really doesn't satisfy me. I love a good Coca-Cola. For some reason, I love a good Coca-Cola on Sunday afternoons after I've preached. I don't know what there is about that, but it just makes me thirsty. Nothing really quenches my thirst like water. That's why the imagery is all through the Bible, this living water. It's life-giving. What are you drinking, Christian? Are you drinking deeply? Are you tasting regularly and seeing that the Lord is good? Are you trying to find hope and meaning and purpose and joy and satisfaction in some broken well? Stop digging. 
and sit down and drink deeply from the living water because you need it and that's what those around you need. It's that old idea on the airplane, right? If you're traveling with young children or those who are dependent upon you, put the mask on yourself first. Why? You need to begin immediately breathing in that life-saving, life-giving oxygen so that you then can put the mask on others. You'll be alive to save other people's lives. Mom and dad, if you're spiritually dead, if you're not drinking deep from that life-giving living water, then you're probably poisoning your children. You're probably poisoning those around you. Remember, I told you a story last week about me in that warehouse. I was not giving living water. I was poisoning those around me. God wants to be that refreshing living water in our life. What are you drinking? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you've never, never tasted that living water, you've never tasted the, the gift of salvation that God has for you in Jesus, I would encourage you to do one simple thing this morning. After the service, there's a prayer room back here. Go stop by that prayer room and just talk to somebody. Go see one of our staff here at the church. Talk to them. Fill out that card that's in the chair in front of you. Drop it in one of these gray boxes and just say, I'd like to talk to someone this week, perhaps. Love to talk to you about how you can drink that living water. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gift of living water. Thank you for the difference you make. Thank you for refreshing our parched souls unlike anything else. God, forgive us for digging broken wells. Forgive us for running hard after things that can ultimately never satisfy us, Lord. Open our eyes, God, to see that we need perhaps a fresh and anew to learn to taste and see that you are good and what that even means and looks like practically in my daily life. I trust your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do, God, in our lives. I, get, I just submit this to you. Thank you. I thank you for these folks' presence here today. Do what you want to do in our lives. May you get all the glory and honor for it. We love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.